Welcome to No Room for Phonies. It is uh, the end of December, the end of 2020. Finally. Finally. We're all looking forward to 2021 with somewhat of fear and trepidation, but at least 2020 will be over. And last time we talked about living our best life. And so uh, in the last one, we talked uh, more about... um, ourselves and our strengths and our weaknesses and the kinds of things that we focus on and that sort of thing. So this time I thought it would be good in order to live our best life, some of the other things that have um, an impact on us, like setting goals and looking at other people who we admire and just trying to um, be better tomorrow than we are today so that's kind of the theme of it's kind of become the theme of my podcast over and over again in um, No Room for Phonies that you're good enough today but you're always striving to be better so that you're not um, upset with yourself all the time or 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 focusing on the negative parts of yourself Mm -hmm. so Um, The first thing that I thought we would um, talk about when it comes to the impact on you living your best life is the people that you admire. So... Do you want me to go first? Sure. So I kind of picked three categories. Um, Like a stranger that I've just not met in person but learned about via social media. Uh, and then somebody that's closer in my circle and then more, even more immediate than that. <laughs> so the person that, um, I started noticing <clears throat> in my Facebook feed is a nurse from the Guelph, Ontario area. And, um, she has done a lot with AIDS research and, um, raising money for several different medical causes but she's been posting very scientific very calm very non-dramatic information about COVID-19 and about community responsibility and social responsibility to each other and she's very much focused on you know because she's always been a community activist her posts are always about what can we do for each other during quarantine, during lockdowns, during the virus, everything like that. And her name is Anne-Marie Zajlik. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correct, but we'll put a link in the show notes if you want to see her. She posts, um, I don't know, every two weeks or so about very uh, about the province of Ontario and the situation, but very much from the medical um which front, is how frontline worker point yeah. of view, which is, which why, is how to me the have, most refreshing. Well, and that's how we have tried to focus our decision making is on what the science is saying and what makes the most yeah. sense for protecting ourselves and others in kind of a reasonable yes. way. So, yeah. so, and I just like it because it's not sensationalist. She doesn't like I've seen nurses posting sensationalist stuff everywhere. Yeah, on both sides of the fence. Well, and I and mean, a little extreme. So I just like. Her well, and the other out. thing is like, and then you get all these people posting, oh, how hard it is for everybody, and and I, you know, I think that I think it's hardest for doctors and nurses. I think it is hardest and, for and them mort- and morticians. But you also 
I also feel that they are the ones begging, doing the least amount of begging for attention. Yeah. During this, because they're just they're too busy doing they're their jobs. Too busy. Yeah. So. so anyway, so that's the first person I admire, and that's like a recent person that I've been watching and reading about. Um, other people I admire are my students. Uh, I have international students coming from all sorts of different parts of the world, and. Um, Prior to the quarantine and the pandemic, uh, I would have, over the course of a year, maybe people from 28, 29 different countries. And I admire them because of their risk-taking in changing countries, some of them long-term for six to eight years, and some of them plan on staying in Canada. So it's for even longer. Some of them uproot their spouses and children and bring them along. And um, it's not something I want to do, like uproot us and go and change and live in another country. But what I admire is the, the chutzpah, <laughs> the, just the courage um, of doing something when you're facing so many unknowns. And then rolling with the punches as you go through things definitely mental challenging themselves because they're learning another language and then they're going to be studying their majors in college uh, and some of them are starting careers or changing careers so anyway on all levels it takes a huge amount of commitment and sacrifice so there are people i admire i would like to have the same risk-taking attitude, the same drive, the same um, fearlessness, just not about traveling to another country, just about other things in in next year and the upcoming years of my life. And then you, I admire you a lot. Um, I know people might think it's sappy, but <laughs> uh, you are my best friend, and I admire you for your honesty your integrity and somewhat, somewhat endless energy and drive. Um, and just that you keep giving of yourself to us, your family members and to the community around you. So, um, I should, I don't know how I, should say that anything but i'm not going to because those are your admirations and i'm just gonna go for it and you are a beautiful person and <laughs> i can keep going on it anyway on. let's stop that um but i'm gonna go backwards um and i'm gonna talk about the qualities that i admire and then label some people in my life who have those qualities like I admire people who can be, um, as you know, one of the things that I dislike about life in general is people that are take a negative approach. And you do that sometimes. So I don't want to say that I don't admire you, but I don't admire that part of, but I'm going to get to a part that I do admire about you. That's fine. Yes, so, but you but admire people that are, that are mostly positive. Are able to rise above a lot of challenges in their lives and I I think of like my my good friend um, Helen who is like 80 something years old and has 
had so many challenges in her life and is such a positive um, person. And I think of my quilting friends like Heather and Margaret, but like Heather particularly right now who, you know, has got a lot of challenges that she's trying to overcome. And yet, you know, um, I was struggling with something like last week and she was like totally into like being vulnerable and sharing how she struggles with that. And, you know, she said like her way of getting through life and, and this is, you know, kind of one of my goals is, you know, the only, the, the way to, to find joy is to like set your expectations really low and then go lower and then go lower than that. <laughs> and then, you know, you just take life as it comes and just enjoy whatever happens because you're not like, you don't have some lofty idea about how something's going to go. So you're just happy. You're happy with whatever good kind of comes mm -hmm. of it. And then... And so that's interesting because it's lowering expectations without increasing negativity. Yes. Because my strategy often is be negative about something so that whatever happens is amazing. Yeah, but this but is not. It's not. It's <laughs> like the, It's, it's like a mindfulness thing. thing where you live for the moment and you're not like over planning your life or over analyzing things. So that you're just, you just are becoming, like you're just letting life happen. Right. And, um, but yet you are um, going out of your way to, you know, be kind and, you know, be generous and be forgiving and all those qualities. So, I mean, there's so many, there's people that I know that are like that. And another thing I admire about um some people is um their ability to be um to bring like creativity and life to things like you you have that quality right because you see something and you see the beauty in in it and the and the potential in it whereas i would have a harder time with that and i think of my friend jade and what an amazing teacher she is and she has been online with a brand new baby, like a new baby and pregnant. And yet she has brought so much like creativity right. to her teaching. And I and her I, parenting and her parenting yeah. and her, you know, just so much about her, um, the, you know, the way that she, that she does things mm. is positive and creative and, you know, seeing potential in things and realistic optimism, but in a you know in a in a more um positive mm -hmm. light and mm -hmm. i admire that because it's a better way to live it's not limiting you're you're able to you know tell your own story and be your own person and you know and you actually get some skin in the game like you you're willing to do what's necessary to you know like to move yourself forward and then I guess the other um, people that I admire are those people who are able, like I love to read and I'm in complete admiration of people that can get their story on paper, like a story or the story or their mm -hmm. story on paper in such incredible. Whether it's autobiographical or fiction, doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter to me. 
able mm-hmm. to weave that because I I want to write a book like mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I really do want to do but mm-hmm. I read all these stories and I think wow like you were just able to you know focus in on getting the story told and deciding how the characters were all going to come together like right now I'm li- we're listening yeah. kind of to this sto- to the novel Missionaries which is on Barack Obama's um recommended reading list recommended reading list and um it now is showing I heard how I was in the other the room the two but characters I heard. one was is a war correspondent and one is like a he was a paramilitary warrior in Colombia and they were telling these two like parallel stories. And now all of a sudden you see how I'm not going to know. We don't know, but their futures are going. Yeah. But how they're going to, the connection happens, you know, it's going to, but anyway, like I just am so in admiration of the integrity and, and you have integrity and courage and honesty, um, to kind of put, themselves into that story mm-hmm. right like or a lot and and sometimes it's a matter of allowing their story to be told like i've now read like so many different autobiographies or, or biographies yeah. that have been written about people and that they're willing to be vulnerable and tell their story and all that stuff so mm-hmm. i think and um i guess the other quality that i really admire in people is their ability to change and adapt to whatever comes there in a kind of a mindful, relaxed sort of way. Or at least they come across as relaxed by the time we're talking about it. No, and and they're willing to say, okay, this isn't easy and whatever. Like I think of, you know, people who have to, everybody who's had to make these big changes in how their life sort of unfolds right now, because now we're back in lockdown. Yeah. Christmas had to be, and we had our apprehension about Christmas. And then we were kind of like, well, it is what it is. And so we put our effort into enjoying what What happened. And so I, I just have an admiration for people who can just adapt to that. And, and the people that, you know, go online and are teaching or doing whatever their job entails online. And, you know, I even think of like our financial advisor guy, like yeah. he was totally cool online and wasn't stressed. And well, and even our 70 something year old lawyer. Yes. Remember, we had yeah. a, a video call with him, him and it was like it was like nothing yeah. to him. Yeah. No. So I just. Um, uh, lived. And then like some of my students, I would say my domestic students, like meaning Canadian as opposed to international, mm-hmm. they uh, like a whole bunch of my students were in the communications classes were are uh, Canadians that have lost their jobs and they decided to go back to school in their 40s and in their 50s. Right. And retrain, getting ready for one or two years down the line when they're going to need to, like, move into a completely different job because their job might be gone or their job might go online. Yeah. So I, that's the kinds of things that, and I'm starting to um, feel like, I just remember, you know, and I, I... Love my dad, but I didn't admire things about him because he got very stuck. 
Yeah. And so I just feel like the the um, people that I am around who are like in their 80s, 70s and 80s, 60s, 70s and 80s who are not stuck mm-hmm. are kind of the people that I sort of look at and admire. And then um, I want that attitude for some of the people that I see in their 20s who are actually at stuck. some point more stuck yeah. than some of the people I see in their 60s, 70s, 80s mm-hmm. because they think they're right. They don't admit, you know, they don't want to admit when they're, you know, wrong or when they need to change something or when or they're, they're just as afraid of change as yeah. some, so, <laughs> some of the people that we would. So that's what I admire about people. Yeah. And I think, um, taking courses on mindfulness and cognitive behavior therapy and learning a whole bunch of things has also helped me to, um, to solidify the things that I really admire about people. And they're not like status and like all those kinds of things and perfect lives and all that stuff. It's Mm -hmm. more that, integrity vulnerability honesty i think before you started taking those courses and reading and sharing with me and then of course us having conversations about it all i think we could identify aspects of people around us that annoyed us or that we didn't want to partake in and so we kept our distance but we weren't identifying the positives right we were identifying the negatives and avoiding but then there was still this void of well what what is there then as an alternative to right that? yeah so, i agree i think i mean that... not that we were without a rudder but it just it feels like well and i just feel like when you start opening yourself up to being more um to being more of a growth mindset person about yourself and your family and your life and everything, then you do, you, yeah. you are, you gravitate to people Towards who are that. more like that. Um, so this year I would like to. That's the experience. next topic that you yeah. wanted to talk about. Are we finished? Yeah. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. we've talked enough. So <clears throat> one of the things that, Um, I think is really important about life is setting goals, like setting short-term, long-term, sort of medium-term goals. Without them being New Year's resolutions that we don't No, they're not resolutions. They're, you know, they're, um, they're goals. No, I know what you're saying. And I mean, goals get reevaluated and... Mm -hmm. Then you go, whoa, that was that made no sense or whatever. And it doesn't matter the calendar. No, no, no. I get, I get, but it it is a nice thing to talk about what we would like to experience in the coming year. Yeah. Go ahead. So, um, I actually wrote down ten things, but I don't have them in front of me, which is fine. I don't really want to read read out a list of ten things, but I think more my. Um, this year I would like to experience that whole idea of what um, is described in my mindfulness course of that sort of peacefulness about life that doesn't mean that you never get angry or call people to task or hold people accountable or whatever, but it means that... um, 
you are you don't feel like your life is sort of out of control mm -hmm. that you know what what grounds you and so that and that means that i want to find a balance of like body mind and spirit that works for me so I want to walk, I want to exercise, I want to eat right. Okay, so that's my body. I want to make sure that, you know, despite COVID, I make sure that, you know, I look after myself, like my health. So mm -hmm. that that's the whole part. And then my mind, how am I going to, you know, do that? And what goals am I going to set to stretch my mind and my spirit? You know, that whole idea of be feeling joy and joy in your journey and, you know, being authentic and real and like that sort of thing. So all the sort of short term and midterm goals are all sort of around that. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, I mean, I probably align pretty similar to them. I, I was a little more specific. Um, I was reading about how the brain learns uh, in light of teaching online and trying to help my students learn and recall and grow skills that they have. And one of the things that really has been highlighted by brain research is that it's really, really, really hard to break bad habits, but it's a lot easier to learn new ones. New bad habits? No, new good habits. Oh, new good habits. Okay, I thought, I mean, well, it's really easy to learn it's, it's new easy. bad habits. But it's really it's not... easy to learn, yeah. So you just keep adding on the bad habits. No, no. So, what, so the goal is for me is to develop some good habits that basically eventually the, the, the more predominant bad habits or the ones that were bad go by the wayside naturally. Right. But you've replaced, you have to first replace them put the replacement in place first and then the other stuff fades away. So it's opposite of like stocking food in the fridge where you first have to take all the rotten stuff out, clean it. And then you can put this one, you put the clean food in and somehow the, the rest of it disappears. Just fades. Wow. That'd be nice. You know, like, like when you clean the fridge and I'm like, Oh, the fridge is so clean by itself. <laughs> yeah. Self-cleaning fridge. That's anyway. It. So I want to do, um, micro changes basically small steps of building some positive habits continued good health i would like to experience more laughter the kind that is deep one thing that i have healing, noticed healing one thing laughter. that i have noticed is that uh, we have gone um we play this platform tennis now yeah and we laugh a lot when we play yeah that. we actually are laughing a lot like because it's it's funny. <laughs> well, we're not invested we're not in winning. We're not that great. We're not invested in winning. We're just invested in moving. So there's a lot of like laughter to that. And I, I have, I've noticed that a lot. Mm. And, uh, yeah, but I, I know what you're, what you're saying about that. Like, and I, I, I'm, cause I can read what you wrote in front of the whole idea of deeper connections. That is a really important the thing is that's always been important for me, but my challenge always is finding the other people who want to do it as well. Right. Other than you and the kids, like I, I, well, I've been part of like hobby groups because, mm -hmm. but because I'm a knitter and crocheter, most of the hobby groups are women. Right. And I mean, I don't want to develop deep connections no. with all these 
other women. I mean, no. friendships are based around the hobbies are fine, whatever. Um, so yeah, looking for, you know, men of my age that are willing to be open and vulnerable is nigh impossible just because men have that issue of just shutting down. Right. And, and I think there's, the I'm other... sure there's men out there that are, well, and but I, 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 I never found, seem to run into them. I found that frustrating as a principle because like, I really only found one person in all my years of being a principal and she had been my friend before like right. with my friend Rita right yeah. who we could actually be vulnerable and we're honest with each about other about your careers about the struggles that we were having with the the people in our schools yeah because what I found when I went to principals meetings was that people weren't were didn't want to admit everything was hunky-dory yeah and... or they you know like we would just, Rita and I would just look at each other and roll our eyes, like talk, 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 talk. You can talk a good line. But we knew that that wasn't what was happening right. when they returned, right? Yeah. And so it's just finding that level of communication. Well, that's where that honesty without drama, without sensationalism yeah. is also. But then the whole idea that you are someone's, you know, you're someone's deep friend, but they also have their privacy, yeah. Like you're not digging for information no. just to no, have no, no, information, no, no. but it's that sort of deep level of, mm-hmm. you know, where I, they know you're there for them, yeah. that sort of thing. And you know, yeah. you know, like I've had that conversation with friends where they're like, oh, you're doing so much for me. And I just look at them and say, yeah, but if I was in the same situation you're in, you'd be doing this for me too. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, I know that that's true. Yeah. Like, I 100% know that that's true. So, um, yeah, I think that whole idea, I the mindfulness um, is sort of that idea that everything comes together in your life as balance and that you're able to um, have control enough over your thoughts that they don't... Like, I experience rejection really fast so i have but i have enough control over my thoughts to not let that consume me and drag me down and that i can think logically and truthfully about whether about some of that stuff right i I just started reading that book responsibility rebellion and it, it talks a lot about when thoughts come into your mind you can either have a reaction or you can respond And the reaction is like just that gut level, instant, emotional, whatever, and which you might regret later. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and it's just part of our chemistry. Sometimes that just happens. Yeah. But having that ability to then rein things in and start applying logic and truth and truth and thinking of the circumstance and externalizing the situation you know, looking at it from different angles. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, no. And I mean, I think it's good. Like I have every day, I have a book that I write the things I want to accomplish in the day, like including reading and sewing and knitting. And like I write those things down because I don't want to lose track of them. Even like when I know, stop. Even I'm laughing at myself. That's even, one of my micro Even goals. when I know that there's going to be a, like a, 
on a deposit in our bank account. I'll write banking in my book so that I go in and I pay the bills and do the things that I need to do, like where I stay on top of those kinds of day-to-day -day responsibilities. So those are like my, but I also have, okay, in this month, I want to, you know, create, like I have a blog that I want to put out and I have a po two podcasts I want to put out right. and I want to, um, do this many, um, lectures and some courses I'm taking. I want to, um, do some random acts of kindness every week. And I like, I actually write that stuff down. I know. And then I have big picture goals, like for the whole year. And I'm not I very used... good at long, 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 long-term goals, but... Well, we know that life throws too many hiccups along the way anyway, so... But, I mean, I, I basically... <clears throat> well, I used to be able to keep 25, 30 of those types of items in my head. <laughs> I roll. No, <laughs> you didn't, but... Well, yeah, I used to be a lot better at it. Well... And then as I've gotten older, I can't do that anymore. So well... I need to develop some new habits around that. So, I mean those that way i i feel like i have more like it it just relaxes me to know that i have all that written somewhere so that i can just check back and sort of see and i don't get upset like sometimes i'll write a list of 15 books i want to read in a month and i read four and so then i just move them on to the next and month. that used to depress me about myself yeah but, but. But it's I'm not. Let, I'm it's letting just, go of that kind yeah. of stuff. And things we want to accomplish Let's, in the year. Ahead. In the next year, yeah. I mean, I look at yours and I think we are definitely in the empty nest, moving towards the empty nest stage of our life. So mm -hmm. we are like learning what it is to understand our kids more as... I call them semi-adults, but they are adults. <laughs> yes. But well, it's... and also just it came to mind, like now we are understanding each other back to where it's just you and I. Yeah. And, and we're liking it. Yes. But we're, we've, we've changed in the last 26 years since we dated. So mm -hmm. we are like, I mean, not that we've lost touch over completely. Over no, no. But it's but that idea of... Now we get to explore that whole being with each other and that yeah. and finding stuff that you know and having actual time to do some of the things that we wanted to do like creatively together yeah because now that i knit and and sew and do all those things there's some projects that we can actually do right together right so that's good and then there's like the goals around the house, fixing yeah. things and changing things. And well, and for me, um, <clears throat> the whole pandemic thing has just like simplifying our lives and not having so much junk around yeah. and and getting rid of stuff and being more cognizant of the number of times we go shopping and what we buy and what's important and all that stuff. Exactly. So, yeah. So, um, I think we've talked about the type of people that we want to surround ourselves with. Yeah. Pretty much. Like the reflective, honest, fun um, people yeah. who read and think and, you know, that sort of, um, people. And, um, 
you know, we live in a community that is, I mean, we're going to get into this whole idea of self-sabotaging in a minute, but we live in a community that does a lot of self-sabotaging, yes. I think. Oh, yeah. Or it's kind of like a mental or cultural, a, a subculture state of thought in our community. Yeah. And I mean, we have tried to step forward as volunteers in municipal and community projects and, and it has not gone well no because there's a group you know it's just the way it seems there's a to... really negative undercurrent mm -hmm. of self-sabotage yeah so yeah. we are now basically trying to imp impact the people in our circle and then that's all that's all we can do right now. Right. And I have made a pact that I will not ever sit on a committee mm. or like formally do anything because I'm sick of sitting around at committees and talking about stuff and never getting anything done. So I just, just you know, I just have this feeling where I, kn I know how I want to intuitively interact with people. And so then I, at 50 something years old, I'm going to go and intuitively interact with people. And so far it's working out pretty good. Right. Exactly. Like when I think of our Christmas Eve, right. Mm -hmm. And we knew that we were going to be basically on our own Christmas Eve. And so I did a lot of baking and we put together packages of, you know, simple little things. And we drove around and dropped things. We couldn't visit people. So no. we dropped things off on porches and, you know, made people know that they were thought of and loved and taken care of, right? Yep. So Absolutely. those are the kinds of things that we can do. That we can do. And I mean, during COVID and quarantining and lockdown, that's, you know, we are even more limited to what we can yes, do. Yes, but there are lots of things that involvement. we can... We can still do and be creative. And about. be creative about. Yeah. And and the other thing is, I know you've had other podcast episodes like about uh, Black Lives Matter and some of the bigger picture climate. You know, those are also things where we want to be creative in the coming year as far as how can we participate in moving all those types of movements forward. Right. In a way that doesn't necessarily... Uh, like, for me, again, it's back to honesty without sensationalism. Well, so we yes. don't have to be dramatic about no, this. No, and I don't have but to we be... Still need, but we still are conscientiously... Right, and I don't have to ever something. tell anyone that I've done it. No, it's not about... Like, we didn't, we didn't call the paper and say, oh, we're delivering 20 gift baskets on Christmas Eve. Right. Did you want to do a story about us? Like, I... I was listening to CBC, <laughs> right? Well, I saw no, that kind I of listening, stuff in the news. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this person did all these things, and I thought, well, so did we, but that's not why we did. Like, no. and I'm not saying that they did it for that reason either. No, I know. But I just think there's a certain privacy about it, and a certain, you know, um, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like I care. I just want to do the things that I know are going to lift my own spirits and stretch me as a person and contribute and give back mm -hmm. and support the circle of people that I can support. Yeah. So, um, so the next topic is 
how so does the it whole self-sabotage right the whole idea of um, self-sabotage is um, and there's something called cognitive re reframing is basically the idea of swapping out negative thoughts for positive thoughts okay so that is how you avoid self-sabotaging so for example if we were on the if I was one of the city councillors mm -hmm. and something they were going on negative, negative, negative about, oh, we can't do this and we can't do that. You literally have to stop and swap out a positive thought mm -hmm. or approach for the negative one. You have to cognitively reframe what is being right. put out. Because, you know, so you, you say like, and one of the things that you do is you say that negative thought, what, what is its cause? Like, why? Is it an emotion or is it a reaction? Yeah. Or? So, um, for me, like, why do I always feel responsible for things that go wrong? Yeah. Because in my past as a child, I was made to feel that way. So mm -hmm. that's a that's part of my history. That's part of who I am. That's part of the family that I grew up in who made me feel that way. And you developed a habitual thinking. Yeah, so pattern. then I habitually feel that way. So I, I stop and think about that. And then you also have to then let yourself think of the just as likely explanations for why that could happen why something bad could go wrong. It's not my responsibility. It's that my stupid kid made that choice. Mm -hmm. I'm not responsible for that person's choice. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, that it just happened. It was just a bad luck moment. Well, and sometimes it, it is just an outside factor that nobody... But you can also then just also take, reframe the negativity by, you know, choosing a more positive explanation and especially, I think, choosing an explanation that's external right. like, to you. Right. Like, so you ask yourself, so how would my best friend view this? Right. What would they say? Right. What if, what if you took it to court? What would a judge say about it? Mm -hmm. You know, what if, what if, how would a scientist interpret it? How would a, a trusted spiritual advisor, how would your significant other look at it? Like... If you can't reframe it in your own mind, mm -hmm. you actually have to say, and, and I mean, that is, I've done that with some of my friends. I've said, well, you know, these are kind of some of the situations that have happened in my life and I feel like I'm responsible for it. And they're like, uh, no, <laughs> think about, and then think about this angle and this angle and this angle and you know, and then you kind of come out thinking, well, yeah, I did the best I could and I'm still learning and growing and becoming. And so you do have to cognitive re cognitively reframe things mm -hmm. in your head. You can't just let yourself go down those right. habitually negative thoughts. Ways. Well, and one thing that I read about today is like when we have those insecurities is that we quickly attribute them to something or somebody like the blame yeah or, but or i'm feeling insecure because um you know so and so said that 
you know, so-and-so said in my past, you know, or you're, you know, you're a fake at this. So then yeah. I, oh, so that, that it's an outside insecurity that I'm attributing to but that I person's voice. But I also think voice. that at some point you felt irresponsible. Yes. Irresponsible. Yeah, my like... big, my big button is that, uh, iris- that I feel irresponsible. Right. And yours so, is that you feel responsible. So, of course, opposite or, attracts. <laughs> yes. And that I feel rejected by my responsibility. Like people hold me responsible for things mm-hmm. and then they reject me based on based on that. Right. And right? I think people reject me because I've been irresponsible. Right. And <laughs> so and I'm and it all comes from our background. Yes. But so we you don't have, have to, to just you have because to understand your past. Yes. But you can't just keep reliving. But we don't it. have to say that because of my past. I'm still going to be that way. We no, can actually absolutely not move our so, way out of that. So the bottom line of all this two-part discussion is your best possible life statement. I can make mine right now. Go ahead. Go for it. Okay. So living my best <laughs> life means being better tomorrow than the good enough that I am today, right? And finding... A peaceful balance of my body, mind, and spirit. Well, you've had some time to think about no, it. No, <laughs> I just came up with that right now. Wow, you're amazing. Thank you. I, I literally just came I up with that. I cannot have something so eloquently stated. Well, that's... So anyway, my best possible life statement, how I'm feeling right now about yep. life, is that taking no risk is the biggest risk. So I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to be stagnant. I I need to take a risk. Now, I'm not thinking like a big dramatic risk. No. I'm not going to go bungee cord or no, something like, like that. Like not a midlife crisis. No, that's not what I'm no. thinking here. Um, so like smaller risks like, uh, well, I, I've always believed in something like spiritual and whatever, but, you know, it's it's delving into that more rather than settling into relativism and postmodern no yes. every, everything's okay yeah or nothing's no. okay right yeah um risk uh loving family more in a risky way like yeah. expressing it yeah showing it um talking to strangers and helping strangers of course during covid in a safe way yeah um trying new things in my job definitely yeah. is the taking a risk um and then I'm comfortable in my hobbies and my pastimes and free time. So I want to like take new risks there, like read different genres of books that I haven't read before. Yeah. Or so, but I mean, so it's very, it's actually very similar to what I just said. It's just more specific. Right. Right. Because it's more <laughs> about like, you're good enough, but you want to just continue to be better. Yeah. Right. And well, and I don't want to become. And become you, you more said balanced. your dad was stuck. My mom was stuck, and I don't want to be. No, stuck we don't want to be like that, at all. And I just think that um, um, when I was a when I was a principal, I helped, pe- and, and and a learning resource teacher and all that stuff. I helped people write individual education plans, and I sometimes think of your life statement as like a, an individual education plan because it is. Like we always said, it was a working document. Right. So you can, you know, oh, well, yeah, but you know what? I learned this today. And so that alters the way I think about my 
what my best possible life could be. And you just keep, you know, Mm -hmm. building on that. But I mean, you, like I said, yours was specific. Mine's more general. I want to find that peaceful balance. Well, and mine also comes from something else I heard or read, like the Myers-Briggs personality typing where there's 16 personality types. And according to the test, I'm an INFP or INFJ, but I've always used that as, oh, this is who I am. So that explains why I, what my weaknesses are. And I use them right. as a crutch or a cop out. And my big risk is I want to try all the other, be all the other letters of the acronym and be the opposite of, or take a risk to work towards something so that I don't fit one. I don't think that, no, I don't, I used, I, love, I used to love I used to love personality tests. I think tests, we're learning I, a lot more about I think they're very suspect now. Like yeah. I don't want them to lock me. I think I let it lock me into Yeah. Well I'm this way. I'm disorganized or I'm this right. or I'm or, scattered. And the or, more dangerous thing is what type of jobs they predict mm-hmm. you should do. And I'm yeah. like wow, that's yeah. That's Limiting so beliefs, good. right? Yeah. So all right. So well that is it. Hopefully you can take a moment and think of what your best possible life statement and maybe some of what you want to accomplish and try um, in the year 2021. We should have a lot of time to think about it, especially here in Ontario and most of Canada and yep. most of the world, because we're all locked down for a period of probably the next 30 days, except for helping those who are most in need. So um, stay safe, stay well. Thank you for joining us for um, No Room for Phonies. And uh, next month, I'm going to do a lighter version. I have come up with 12 cocktails for the year, (laughs) and I'm going to share them and their recipes in the next uh, podcast. Thanks for having me on in December. Yeah, so uh, this will um, hopefully get your new year off to a great start. So thanks for joining us for No Room for Phonies, Living Your Best Life, Part 2.